Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, while we were yet sinners, you sent your one and only Son, Jesus, and he has a peace that he wants to give to each one of us. And oh God, we love to coddle and cuddle our anxieties. We like to overthink everything, but we need your peace. Oh, fill us. Draw us into your presence, into your love. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So this message today, it's kind of what we call just kind of a filler message, and I don't mean that in a, in a sense of it's not going to be worth anything. But I will tell you that the Lord gave me the bulk of the message already a week and a half ago. It, it just started churning in me one day, and I almost had my keyboard smoking. And I really pray, and I hope that it is valuable for you. This long weekend Sunday, this one-off Sunday before we start our next series, and the title of my message today is How to Activate the Fruit of the Spirit. How to Activate the Fruit of the Spirit. I was telling my wife last night as we were praying just before uh, we went to sleep that it seems like whenever I have a sermon coming up or something that, a topic that the Lord's given me, he always lets me be in the Petri dish. And this, how to have the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it has been a real challenge for me the last two weeks. And we're going to spend our time in uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, which it, it talks about the sins of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And I mean, I've really been studying it and looking at it, and I tell you, it has been such a struggle for me. And I say that not to discourage you about your pastor, but to say I believe it's a struggle for all of us. It's a struggle for all of us. In fact, uh, a lot of people in the whole psychology uh, world and counseling world, they, they use an acronym called HALT. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not COVID, just allergies. Don't worry. <coughs> HALT stands for hungry. Now, now these are... These are things that happen to you that push you into your coping mechanisms. And these coping mechanisms, I would say, are the sins of the flesh. These are, these are the way you learn to cope without God. And so you're hungry, and it could be emotionally, physically, spiritually. You're angry, something really horrific has happened to you. You're lonely, like you're just feeling like you're all by yourself. You might be surrounded by people, but you're alone. Or the last one is you're just tired. It could be emotionally, physically. And these kind of circumstances in our life will often push us back into the flesh responses that we've learned to have to cope. Some of them are literally survival mechanisms. You know, maybe you were bullied as a child and you found out that if you just blew your top and got really angry, then they would leave you alone. So guess what? When you hit a halt moment, you just get really angry. And that's moving into the flesh. So this week, and you had to know it, and I, I'm trying to decide if it's just, and I don't think I've always had a problem this way. I, I think there's just a, a lot of hurry up and get to work in Grand Prairie. And uh, so I was driving here to church one day, and I was thinking about this message. This is a Petri dish thing. And uh, I, I, I came to a spot in the road where they were doing construction, so I had to get over into the left lane. 
and I accelerated to get into the left lane, giving the guy behind me lots of room. The guy in front of me who was in the, he slammed on his brakes. So I had no choice but to hit my brakes, and uh, the guy behind me, I want to say mad is an understatement for what he was. Like, I had just come into his lane and slammed on my brakes. I'd be mad too. He maybe didn't see the guy in front of me that kind of caused it all. But I thought, okay, well, I, you know, I, I think I'm innocent, but maybe I should have been more patient. I don't know. And uh, so from, from almost where GPRC all the way to the church, this guy tried to run me off the road. And I mean run me right into the ditch. By the time I got here to the church, I want to tell you that there wasn't much fruit of the Spirit left. And I was just vibrating. I was so mad. And, and then you go into this, uh, when, when you start justifying your behavior, well, for the safety of Grand Prairie, I need to report this guy. For the safety of my soul, I need to report this guy. And I remember the Lord is whispering quietly in the background, settle down, settle down. And I'm like, I have a, a dash cam in my car, and so I, I actually downloaded the pictures, and I put them on my laptop, and I said, oh man, I, and, and it's funny, because I even knew what company this uh, uh, driver worked for and everything, and I searched the internet, couldn't find this guy anywhere, couldn't find the company, and I'm like, oh, I gotta do something, gotta do something. The more I asked the Lord, the more he said, get over it, Anthony. And I said, but God, and God said, but nothing. And God said, doesn't my word say that I gave you a heart of flesh? I took out that heart of stone, and I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And here you are right now operating in the flesh. In fact, you're ticking off a few of the fleshly operations. And you need to just let us, okay, God, I'll wait till tomorrow. So the next day, I'm driving to the church thinking, what am I going to do now about this dangerous driver? And the Lord says, you're going to let it go. And I said, but I can't. And God said, remember your heart? Your heart's more important than anything else right now. You need to do something about your heart. So I was a little bit early, so I thought, okay, I'm going to go through McDonald's and buy myself a sausage McMuffin. You're welcome, Fred. I'm advertising for McDonald's. So I bought, was in drive through and I'm still thinking, fuming, angry, and the Lord says, you need to activate the fruit. And I'm like, what? And he goes, when you get to the drive through I want you to order six sausage McMuffins. Okay. And so I ordered six sausage muffins, and I said, now what I was thinking, I was supposed to bring them to the church. Sorry, staff, that's not where they came. The Lord told me to go to a garage I go to all the time. My son happens to work there. And he, I, they all know me, so it wasn't creepy or weird. So I just showed up with this bag, and I started handing out to the guys in the back these sausage McMuffin. They're like, uh, thanks. And they each took one, and they started eating them, and they gulped them down. Most of the guys are really young. And uh, this, this is where it gets really interesting. Now, I want you to understand, this is really important to tell you, that if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, uh, you can't activate this fruit, because the fruit comes from the inside, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And God basically was saying to me, be who you've been created to be. You are a follower of Christ, you will operate in the fruit of the Spirit. So it's there, it's ready. I just needed to release it. So I'm standing in the garage as I handed out my last sausage McMuffin, 
it was sort of like a scene from, uh, you, know, you know, the, the, the movie where the, oh, now my head, I wrote it down. I knew I'd forget it if I got in here. No, I didn't write it down. Good for me. The Christmas movie, The Grinch, The Grinch, that's what it is. You know The Grinch when he starts being nice and his heart starts to grow? I, that scene came to my mind as soon as I handed it, and I'm like looking down at my heart going, hmm, actually it, it does feel a little better. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think I do feel some love coming out of there. And you know what, that, that incident with the trucker, it wasn't that it was dead, I had to lay it to rest three or four days in a row and just let it go, but... I wanted to tell you that we all struggle. I know you do. And the truth is, a lot of us have what we've been calling these days and words and descriptions always change, but we all have soul wounds. We have those experiences that have happened in our life. And, and by the way, you can have twins go through the exact same experience and both come out with different kind of soul wounds out of it or no soul wounds. But because of who we are, when we go through a very difficult and an awful and a frightening situation, it sets up in our mind a thought process when anybody talks, acts, thinks, or a circumstance comes along, we immediately go to our soul wound, which filters and causes us to be really, um, well, we move into the flesh. Whether it's angry, trying to protect ourselves, uh, whether it's a controlling, divisive, whatever it might be, we, we start to operate in the flesh and, and the fruit of the Spirit isn't there anymore. A.W. Tozer wrote this great words, these great words, this, there's more than one word. It is a fact that God made us to worship him. And if we had not fallen with Adam and Eve, worship would have been the most natural thing for us. Sinning was not the natural thing for Adam and Eve, but they disobeyed and fell, losing their privilege of perfect fellowship with God, their creator. Sin is the unnatural thing. It was never intended by God to be our nature. Men and women who are out of fellowship with God, the Creator, still have an instinct towards some practice of worship. In most of our civilized circles, the practice of picking out what we like to worship and rejecting what we do not like is widespread. This has opened up an entire new field of applied psychology and humanism under a variety of religious disguises. Thus, men and women set themselves as judges of what the Lord has said, and so they stand with pride and judge the Lord. In the Bible, God takes the matter of worship out of the hands of men and puts it in the hands of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible, hear this, it is impossible to worship God without the impartation of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about this quote, and if you haven't read 1 John, 2 John, uh, it's really clear that you cannot praise Jesus. You cannot verbalize those words without the Holy Spirit in you. It is not possible that he is God in the flesh, it is not possible for that kind of truth to come out of your mouth. It is not possible to sit there and sing praises to God without his Holy Spirit in you. So this talk of the Holy Spirit, this talk about activating the Holy Spirit, how do we experience 
are created natural selves. I mean, before the fall, you and I were created to worship God. We were created not to have soul wounds and anxiety. We were created to worship God. How do we get to that point? I believe it's helpful to look at the two lists in the book of Galatians chapter five. You can look in your Bibles there. I mix up the first list a little bit, but we will eventually read through it. But I wanna lay some foundation of the sins of the flesh and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I just wanna go through just that list just very quickly. And I wanna talk a little bit about the sins of the flesh that, again, these are, these are emotions or these are patterns or these are ways of thinking or these are ways of coping that we have developed without God. So the very first one I wanna talk about is anger. Or we can often say rage. I mean, anger, I've already given a really good example of that. We, we use anger to protect ourselves. We use anger to control others. Uh, we want to be in control because we, bottom line, are scared. We're selfish. We're sinful. And so we let anger and rage get up. Hurt. We can get so hurt. I mean, I, if I have ever learned anything, you'll notice I don't post a lot on Facebook or any social media because I kept hurting people. <laughs> and in fact, now if I post something, I give it to my wife or my daughter, Shaylin, who was singing here, and, and she nixed, or Shaylin vetoed one of my posts this week, said, nope, people are gonna take that wrong. We so easily, I get so easily hurt. I, I misinterpret, misread, because we're not in heaven. I, I, I misread and mishear and misinterpret all the time, and we all do. Bitterness, oh my goodness, bitterness or, or, or unforgiveness. It's just such a rampant thing in society and in the church. Yesterday, and I don't go on Facebook a lot, but I just happened to, one caught my eye. A lady told a story of this family that were playing by shoppers on the grass, and the little boy decided he had to go to the washroom, so he went to the washroom on the grass, the next hundred comments were as nasty as nasty could be. And I went, why are we like this? And, and the lady was actually praising the dad for having such a good family time and the little boy feeling comfortable. And then people were getting mad at the lady. How dare you point out this father? And the lady's going, you misread my words. And I thought, isn't that the way that we are? We, we get so bitter and hurt and, and then we start to hate and just to say, and off the topic, all these marches that are going on, I, I believe most people started marching for the good reasons. But if you've noticed, a lot of the marches and things that have gone on have turned into riots, and it's turned into anger, and it's turned into hate. And let me ask you, does that ever work? To be angry and hateful and vengeful? I believe the scripture teaches us that it's love that's gonna make the difference. Or fear, how, how fear can well up. And I, I told you about my own soul wound of claustrophobia and when I was in the, the plane crash and what happened to me there and, and I was able to get this kind of picture from Jesus that he was there with me and holding my head when I was stuck in a helicopter with my face inches from the roof and strapped in the stretcher and I couldn't move and I hurt all over and this embedded in my soul. And by the way, I was an adult. I think I was 30-something then. Uh, and I would say as adults, soul wounds don't get as embedded. It was pretty easy to deal with. And, and that claustrophobia, for the most part, seems to and appears to be gone. But we use fear. It's a sort of a fight and flight thing, isn't it? 
I mean, we're just protecting ourselves. And maybe you grew up with an abusive father. Maybe you grew up with a, a, a caregiver or somebody who loves you, an authority over you that abused you sexually. And every time you see a man, you just want to puke because you think they're just all creeps. I mean, your, your wounds, your soul wounds are tainting and coloring you. And I just want to encourage you. We have soul care that we run, and again, because of COVID, we're trying to figure out when and how and what that's going to work. But we've run, I think, two or three soul cares, and we plan to keep it up. And our soul care conference runs Friday night and all day Saturday. Actually, no, it runs a lot of nights, Wednesday night, Thursday night, anyway, all day Saturday. It is such an excellent tool to get healing, to get revelation, so that you can start reacting and operating in the spirit. I believe we all have soul wounds that influence us. I believe we all do. Did you know children of alcoholics, and I heard this years and years ago when I took a course, and this is, there's exceptions to every rule, don't get me wrong, if you're a child of an alcoholic and this doesn't apply to you, Please don't think I'm condemning you. This is one of those things. Be careful what you say. Children of alcoholic, I was told, usually have two reactions to growing up with an alcoholic father. One is, as adults, they become doormats and they let everybody walk all over them. They become enablers in that same sense, anybody around them, and they usually are attracted to abusers. Not always. And they usually make excuses, sort of like, you know, daddy came home drunk all the time and they would always you know, clean him up and make him look good and protect him and say nice things to him and kind of hide all that. Or they become another kind of adult. Children of alcoholics often become control freaks. And the control freak part is, it really is the self-preservation thing. I am never gonna let anybody in my life be out of control again. It hurt me and I'm never gonna allow it, nobody in authority ever again. And so they spend a lot of their time with their families controlling every moment and every second, and they want their children to be successful and to do well. And it just, it just again, it's soul wounds. And I just bring those out. I mean, we could probably have 8,000 examples of how sin in this world has infected every part of our being. And I'm not trying to pick on you either. Uh, this is back to me also. I have soul wounds. I've had a lot of stuff. Uh, the staff, we often talk about soul care and the different things that God has done to, to bring us to a new level of the fruit of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit and the activation of the Holy Spirit and the fruit. Sexual immorality. Well, this is a societal thing going right back from the fall, right? But... I think with the access now to uh, all sorts of depravity on the internet, in the privacy of your home, it used to be that when I was a young adult, you used to have to go into this seedy looking place and rent gross videos from these kind of sleazy looking people. And if you were one of those people, I apologize again. But nowadays, you know, sexual immorality, it's just, it's just running rampant. And, and I want to tell you that we were not created to be like that. We were not created to operate in that. And you might think your sin in private, it's not hurting anybody but me. You're wrong. It's hurting your children. It's hurting your spouse. And we as a church have gotten very serious about the Elmer Spilchen, our pastoral care pastor. He runs a couple of different uh, uh, 
recovery groups to help you overcome that because we need to see healing in this. We need to see victory. We want you to be able to activate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Idolatry and witchcraft. i got to hurry up. I'm going to run out of time. Oh, my goodness. Five minutes left. Are you kidding? There's got to be more than that. Idolatry and witchcraft. Now, while idolatry really is worshiping something besides God, and as Tozer kind of described in the quote, uh, we've kind of taken this idea. We, we've been created to worship. And now we judge God and we decide to worship other things. And idolatry is anything or any time or anyone or any object that you put above and ahead God. Uh, idolatry acts like this. It says, I will sacrifice everything for this title, degree, child, spouse, job, company. When you move from that point of uh, God is number one and this is not number one, when you say, I'm gonna worship my car, or worship my wife, or worship my children, and I sacrifice everything and absolutely everything for them. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be there for our kids. And witchcraft, oh my goodness. Uh, witchcraft, it's on such a rise. It, I can't turn on the TV without seeing it. I, I like science fiction, and, and even science fiction witchcraft seems to be getting into that now, too. I, I can't, I mean, I grew up with Bewitched and, and uh, some of those other kind of fun, cutesy things. I wasn't much of a Christian back then, so I didn't know better. But today, it's become so dark, the stuff on TV. And I, I gotta, you know, when I was in my first pastorate 30 years ago, I, I, I did a little bit of demonic deliverance ministries, and, and honestly, <laughs> I was one of those Christians, and I was 30 years old then, that I, I used to always be, oh, come on, Halloween's innocent. And by the way, I think just kids collecting candy at your door, dressing up, it's harmless, depending what they dress up as. But after I had these demonic encounters, suddenly <laughs> Halloween looked a lot different to me. We are so naive with, with this kind of idolatry and witchcraft that we allow in our lives or jealousy, the whole sin of, of jealousy. I mean, that's our motivation. I mean, that's kind of what builds our society. It's kind of like, well, you know, Fred next door, he's got a new motorbike. Well, I'm gonna get a nicer one. And uh, with, with the wages, and I get paid well here, don't give me, with the wages I make, I have to wait till your stuff's 30 years old or 20 years old. Then I get to buy it and I get to see what it used to be like to drive stuff, but we can get so jealous, even me. I noticed even in Africa, in Guinea, Africa, where they made like, I don't know, $3 a day, I noticed everybody had a cell phone, everybody. And on Sunday, they dressed up to the nines. I mean, I think the ladies spent like three days on their hair before they came to church. And, and I remember thinking, oh man, jealousy and idolatry and all that, it's alive and well here too. I mean, they don't have much to get greedy about and jealous about, but this, the flesh is kind of everywhere. Or discord. I mean, where does discord come from? When you run down each other, when you, oh man, I shouldn't even say this too much publicly. Hopefully nobody from this church is watching. Well, I won't even say what town it was. I lived in one little town, <laughs> and there was a feud that started in Germany in this one family in the 1800s, early 1800s. And then they moved to Canada, and the two sides of the feuds moved to the small, same small town in Saskatchewan. And uh, a part of the group moved north of the tracks in town. There was a train that went through. And the other part moved south of the tracks. 
So, and this is in the 1920s when they moved there, and I went there somewhere in the night before we hit 2000. Did you know that feud was still carrying on? There was discord. This is the kind of talk I would hear. Oh, well, you know, he's, he's from that family. Or, or, well, you can't necessarily trust him because, well, well, he's from south of the tracks. Or, or them from north of the tracks. You know, it's just all about them. It's not about, I mean, I heard that. And, and I, I, I've even talked to people in Africa because tribalism is so alive there. And, and they talk about the other tribes like that too. And, and I just want to tell you that discord and jealousy and, and going on drunkenness and orgies, it's alive and well, isn't it? And orgies, I mean, you don't even have to go to an orgy anymore. You can do that on the internet now. And drunkenness. Uh, the church, up until the 1800s, drinking was okay. And then, honestly, um, I think it was England in the late 1700s, early 1800s, whichever king it was, he actually outlawed Christmas because alcohol became too out of control. And so he quit Christmas. And, and alcohol just seems to get its root in a society. And I'm told even France, which had a real respect for alcohol, they didn't drink much of it. And, they just, and so we had to kind of do this little correction thing in the church. And, and we kind of went into saying no drinking at all. I come from a family of alcoholics. And my grandfather, who grew up in Haith and uh, lived there, if, if you knew him just in a casual basis, he was well-loved. But I can tell you privately, it didn't go so well. <laughs> My grandmother was beaten into the hospital three or four times. And what kind of changed her life was my grandfather's brother showed up during one of these drunken, fueled beating sessions. And he told my grandmother, pack up the kids. I'm taking you out of here. And he helped her to leave my grandfather, who just continued to the day he died to have a problem with drinking. Friends, we need to be careful. We can't, I mean, what drives us to alcohol? I mean, Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, all sorts of bad things, but instead be with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the flesh, when we hit these halt things, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we, we do what we know best. I just need to go tie one on. I just need a glass of wine. And before you know it, that addiction becomes out of control. And I can tell you that a lot of people end up in the street and it starts out really innocent. They're just trying to feel a little bit better. Envy, drunkenness, and orgies. We could go on and on and on. I mean, these honestly, envy, drunkenness, and orgies, they're kind of like the secret trio of sins. And, and we have a lot of closet alcoholics. I'm just telling you, we need to figure this activating the Holy Spirit. We need to get it into our lives. Here's the thing. As Christians, are you leaning into the flesh one of the staff this week, as I was talking about it, she said, I always read this Galatians 5 passage, and, and she said, here's, here's my test, she said. She said, I ask myself, how long does it take me to realize that I'm operating in the flesh? And so I read it and go, ooh, that took me a few days, or ooh, that only took me 15 minutes to realize that I was angry, or that I was jealous, or I was causing discord. And she goes, okay, then, and then she would, do everything to activate the spirit. CTV News posted this on their website two weeks ago. 
Some like to preach that because life is hard, we have to harden ourselves to get ahead. But according to a pair of 14-year-long studies, being a jerk does not help you get ahead in business or your career. Huh. I've read my Bible. I'm not surprised. A paper published Monday in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences revealed the results of two longitude studies which tracked whether unpleasant people actually attain more power in the context of their work organizations. Conducted by researchers from the Haas School of Business at the University of California, the paper combined two studies that had assessed the personalities of individuals as undergraduates or grad students studying business across three different universities. The first study assessed nearly 500 people. More than a decade later, these same individuals were tracked down and followed up in order to see if the disagreeable people had succeeded in their chosen field. Across the board, they found those with, those with selfish, deceitful, and aggressive personality traits were not more likely to have attained power than those who were generous and trustworthy. And the article goes on to say, that those people with those sins of the flesh characteristics, which you often go, why in the world? And they discovered that for whatever reason, companies seem to promote people that are nasty, equally to those who are kind. But they discovered in the long run, the people who were operating, and I will say, in the fruit of the spirit likeness, they built allies. And they succeeded far more than the nasty, angry people. Eventually, it comes back to bite you. Friends, are you leaning into the spirit or into the flesh? What are you leaning into today? I think from this article we can see that honey is better than vinegar. It's in the Bible, by the way, that saying. The fruit of the spirit is better than the sins of the flesh. Being nice, caring for others, building a culture of kindness and cooperation, it is the preferred path. This week, we as elders meet every week, and right now we're doing it on Zoom for prayer every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., and we were reading from John chapter 15. Have you read that lately? We did 14 last week, so you decide, well, let's just read 15. Did you know it talks an awful lot about love? <laughs> and how love should guide you and lead you? I mean, you couldn't away, go away from that passage, reading that chapter, going, okay, today I'm going to get ahead by being angry. Okay, today I'm going to be vengeful. Today I'm going to be divisive. Oh, and then you move into this Holy Spirit-sourced emotions. And I'm not even going to explain them because I think you guys all know them. And the first one, of course, is love. When we operate in love and you go, but I'm so angry, I don't feel love. Well, Get some soul wound healing. When was the last time you spent some time in relationship with the Lord? When was the last time you read your Bible and you, you stopped and asked God, what does this mean to me? When was the last time when you were driving to your work and you were so angry and you go, God, what should I do about this? And maybe McDonald's will get lots of business if you ask that comment. You'll be buying sausage McMuffins for everybody. Or joy. Wouldn't you like to have joy? This, this isn't a joy that's circumstantial, by the way. This isn't my life's going so incredible, I'm so excited, I just won the lottery or whatever it might be, or I got a promotion in my job, or man, I just got this really beautiful woman and she loves me. 
and by the way, I have that, a beautiful woman who loves me and I can't believe it every day. Or peace, peace that Jesus, want, he doesn't want to give you external peace, he wants to give it in your heart. Or, or patience. And I can tell you, driving in Grand Prairie, we need patience. All of us need some patience. You know what, and, and honestly, as I was thinking this through this week, and, and, as, and I have to say this had to be from the Holy Spirit because it can't be for me, I'm not this smart. I was thinking through this, so how do I improve everybody in Grand Prairie in their driving? You wonder what the Lord answered? They need to be born again, Anthony. Oh, I could go marching in the streets. I could be putting up posts on Facebook about the drivers here. I, I could take the video from the guy that tried to run me off the road and post it somewhere to shame him. You know, because on social media now we're judge, jury, and executioner. There's no real sense of, well, what really happened there? Oh, by the way, I think if the guy had a webcam on his truck, he would probably be able to show how I cut him off. And he could post that too. Friends, we need people to be born again. If you're here this morning and you're going, man, this fruit of the Spirit sounds really good. This, you know, to have patience. And the next one, kindness. To be kind. I mean, uh, my wife, uh, I didn't sleep so good the other night, so yesterday I was a little grouchy, and she said, what's got into you? And I should have said, actually, I'm being a Petri dish right now for the fruit of the Spirit because I'm operating a lot in the flesh, and I need to get this activation of the Holy Spirit going. Or gentleness or self-control. Friends, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. That's where it all starts. And then you need to walk in your relationship Self-control, oh my goodness. I was raised by a German. Self-control is one thing that we don't do real well. I was told all emotions should never be displayed, but anger's okay. And so my dad would get angry. And by the way, I'm the only child in my family that made my dad swear. I was such a model child, of course. So how do we move from the flesh to the spirit? I want to read you the passage from Galatians 5, 8, starting at verse 16, because I think it really explains it. I hope you've been getting hungry today, and I don't mean in the halt sense, but I hope you've been stirred up somewhere in you going, yeah, okay, I'm struggling a bit. I have some filters. I have some, I have some buttons that can be pushed on me, and I, I need to see some changes in my, listen to verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Listen to this. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You're understanding that? You have a choice. Lean into the sinful nature, into the Spirit. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And often you go to bed and you go, oh, I wish that day would have went better. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pressures, Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you 
again. As I have before, that anyone living in that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ooh, there my Calvinism struggles with that promise. But the Holy Spirit, listen to this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. When was the last time you nailed your sinful natures to the cross? When was the last time you went to Jesus and said, I'm really struggling in this stuff. I need to just put them there. In fact, we, we thought to ourselves, how could we do that this morning? Well, we social distancing, we thought of having a cross and getting you to write stuff down and doing it, but we can't do that today. Verse 26. Let us, be, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Chapter six, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently, probably shouldn't post it privately on Facebook, should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourselves. Share each other's burdens. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. So lesson, friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you prayed to receive Jesus in your heart, the Holy Spirit is in you. And the old nature is struggling and warring with that nature, and the choice is between your ears. You need to make the choice to follow him. You need to make the choice to get up in the morning, open your Bible, and pray and say, God, would you lead me today? I am your servant. The book of James says it this way. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. And my theology says, <laughs> if I am not at some point starting to move in the fruit of the Spirit then I don't know if I've really been saved. Ooh, that gets crunchy, doesn't it? Oh no, salvation, it's so free, it's so easy. It is. But if you're not operating in the fruit of the Spirit and the sins of the flesh are what's controlling your life, <coughs> and I will tell you, I'll be blunt, I wanna be really blunt here. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're operating in the flesh, you're gonna be the most miserable person on earth. In fact, I would say three quarters of atheists around the world that are so angry and militant against the church Many of them are former Christians who used to go to the church, and I think because they're trying to operate in the flesh and in their own way, they've created idols and gods, and they're angry and all sorts of other things at people and things, and they're operating in this flesh, and bottom line, it just makes you super, super miserable. I've run out of time. I'm going to skip all this stuff. Oh, it's good stuff, though. I hate to skip it. Timothy Keller writes these words. Jesus, who unites such apparent extremes of character into such an integrated and balanced whole, demands an extreme response from every one of us. 
He forces our hand at every turn in society. This man who throws open the gates of his kingdom to everyone then warns the most devout insiders that their standing in the kingdom is in jeopardy without fruitfulness, is forever closing down our options. This man who can be weakened by a touch in a crowd on his way to bring a little girl back from the dead, is the man you dare not tear your eyes from. He is both the rest and the storm, both the victim and the wielder of the flaming sword, and you must accept him or reject him on the basis of both. Either you have to kill him or you'll have to crown him. The one thing you can't do is just say, what an interesting guy. Please don't try to keep Jesus on the periphery of your life. He cannot remain there. Give yourself to him. Center your entire life on him and let his power reproduce his character in you. So in conclusion, which set of emotions are you feeding right now? Are you leaning into the sins of the flesh? And I think all of us struggle still with that. Because honestly, the scriptures are clear. If we claim to be without sin, we're a liar and the truth isn't in us. We have not reached perfection. But I can tell you that on my elders board, because I've gotten close to a lot of my elders, I have some guys a lot older than me, a few of them. And I can honestly say I see them growing still. It's never too late for Jesus to heal you. It's never too late for you to lean heavier and more fully into the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians 4.22 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made nude in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And number two, is it time to nail your flesh to the cross? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And again, if you haven't prayed to receive Jesus, it's real simple. You just have to say, yeah, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe in you, Jesus, what you came to do on the cross. You can just pray that. And you can say, Jesus, come into my life. Then secondly, to you who have prayed that prayer, have you asked the Holy Spirit to fill you lately? Have you been walking in the Spirit? We just read those words. Have you been walking in the Spirit? And, and I've noticed something in my relationship with my wife. It actually takes work. <laughs> She's a good woman. She'd probably stick with me no matter what because she loves Jesus. But it takes, I actually have to spend time sitting down with my wife and talking to her. I need to hear her soul. I, I need to ask her. Like this morning, she just looked nervous. And I said, so what's going on? And she said, oh, it's my first day of Sunday school here. And I got a whole new class. And I'm just nervous. And I said, oh, okay. She said, I'm sure it's just Satan doing a work on me. And I, I said, yeah. And we prayed. And I sent her a verse later on. I texted her on her way here to church. to encourage. It's funny because it was a verse she sent me earlier in the week. So where are you at today? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Father, if there's somebody here who isn't a Christian, may they pray these words, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. 
and I believe in you, Jesus, that you came to forgive me of my sins. And to the longtime Christian, <laughs> Jesus, I want to activate the Holy Spirit in my life. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. May I walk this life with the Holy Spirit speaking to me about my heart and my actions. Heavenly Father, we lean into the fruit today. We want to, well, we need to see people saved in this town. If there's behavior that drives me crazy, they need you, Jesus. They need your Holy Spirit. It is, I have thought this for years, God, it's so cruel to try to make people without the Spirit to live a certain moral standard. We need to get them saved. Oh God, would you open up the doors to our church, to the community, that they would come walking in and saying, I need something, I'm tired of my life, I don't like the anger or the hatred or the bitterness or the, the sexual immorality, whatever it is that I'm living in. I, I know this isn't the way I've been created to be. I just need answers. Would you give them to me? Oh God, open up the heavens. Holy Spirit, you have said that you will go convict men of sin, righteousness, and things to come. Oh God, do a work. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Please stand with me. Now just before I read the benediction, if you need prayer this morning, um, just come on down. We have a couple people here ready to pray with you. Some of you might need to just come to the altar and you just need to kneel down. You need to do that act and I'm gonna bet the Holy Spirit will tell you whether it's you. I'm not telling you if you should be down here, but the Holy Spirit will tell you. You need to get down, make sure you socially distance and stay apart from each other. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23 says, and this really is my prayer for you. May God himself, the God of peace, may he sanctify you, and I'm gonna add to it, may the fruit of the spirit come oozing out of you May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? Amen. And let me just say to you, just before you go, if you need to nail your sins to a cross, go find somewhere this afternoon. I think it's better than this pressure cooker in the church. You, oh, I feel like I shouldn't. You come down. If you actually get that committed and you go out today and you go for a drive or a walk, and you say, I got some things I need to nail to the cross. Go do that. Listen to the Spirit. Let the Father speak to you. Read your Bible. Amen? Go in peace.